I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and happens to be the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 232nd episode of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk rates. We're going to talk gold. We're going to talk about Mr. Nick Hodge's um, tech bubble implosion prophecy that seems to be maybe playing itself out. We'll talk lithium. Uh, We're going to get into a lot of things. Trump got indicted again. That seems to be a weekly thing. But before we get to all of that, Mr. Hodge, how goes you, sir? A prophecy. I'm I'm interested to talk about it. Um, It uh, it goes well. We do well. Uh, How are you? I am well. It is hot outside. Allergies continue to rage here near Austin, Texas. But no complaints. Enjoying the summertime. Everyone's healthy. We just celebrated my beautiful wife's birthday. That was an absolute blast. Thankful for another year. She still wants to keep me around. So now life is good. I can't complain. Good. Let's get into it. The NASDAQ just had its worst day of 2023. Oh, man. The Dow is down 300 points today on August the 17th, Thursday. Um, when we record this podcast, it's fallen for a third straight day. Rates are surging. That obviously is having an effect on the gold price, which has now dipped below the 1900 level. That is a lot to get to. I'll let you start with the tech bubble implosion prophecy that you had been calling for for some time. And we're even short um, tech, if I'm not mistaken, at one point before covering that short, if I recall correctly. How are you feeling about the overall indices right now. Yeah, I've covered a couple of tech shorts successfully o- over the past year and and have been saying that, um, you know, overall broader markets were still in, in a larger bear trend. And despite what we've seen um, of late in the stock market, that, you know, uh, we weren't in a new bull market. Uh, um, certainly, um, you're seeing a continuation of that now. I don't know if it's, you know, the implosion of the NASDAQ or whatever, <laughs> but it's definitely back to um, I think I told you last week, maybe bad news would be bad news again. And and it seems like that's what you're you're getting a bit of, you know, earnings were a bit suppressed. Um, rates continue to go up, which is which is very interesting. And, and you mm. mentioned that. I mean, you've got a two year yield that's up around five percent. And, and that's what I was writing about this week, because people talk about boring summer. And, and yeah, it's been slow and, and volumes have been down. And certainly on the individual company level, the, the news flow has been um scant but the big things are going on like the two-year two-year yield is knocking on on five percent and at the same time um the market is only pricing in like a 10 or 15 percent chance of a rate hike in september so one of those things is is wrong and, and i'm interested to see how it shakes out so um yeah the inflation has been cooling but it's still sort of sticky the high above what the fed wants so um, and then Jerome has said that he's, you know, content to keep hiking. So, um, 5% two-year yield is, is really, really high. And at the same time, you know, the, the 10-year yield is, is going up as well. It's at like the highest it's been since 2007. And, and we know what happened after that. So you've got sort of two battles going on, right? It's this two-year yield versus the Fed, right? Who, who is, who is right? Is the market right pricing in a, a pause or is the, the two-year yield going to force the Fed's hand? And then you've got a 10-year yield that's going up um, and you've got to wonder if like the economic growth can sustain that because that typically has to do more with like the um, long-term strength of the economy. And 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 I would argue that no. So um, on this side, on the Fed and the rate side, you might get a, 
uh, a pause in September, but I think you get another rate hike uh, before the end of the year. And then um, it's what I've been saying all along. It's just taken longer to play out, right? The, the Fed is going to hike you right into a recession and, and, and the things breaking in the market. And then um, you'll get those things breaking and a, and a cut in rates sometime next year, which will ultimately be good good for gold, right? And so yep. um, that's why I think the 10-year on, on this side, which I was just speaking about, is is probably getting a, a little bit toppy. And you've got people calling for bond crashes and the 10-year yield to continue to rise. And you've got gold, as you said, going below 1900. But the, that's the time I think that a contrarian bet on uh, gold makes the, the most sense. I think that you stay in that range. Um, I've been telling you that down around 1900 is buy time for gold. And, you know, we're, we're a couple of weeks away from the end of the month. You have to hold 1875, but it feels scary with gold with an 1800 handle, but it's still technically bullish. And, um, I don't think you get that, you know, breaking of, of gold bull trend to the downside yet. So hopefully some of that made sense. All of that made sense. I agree with every part of that. You mentioned, uh, contrarians and you mentioned shorts and you mentioned something breaking, um, Michael Burry, uh, of the big short fame, right? One of my favorite movies of all time. And if any of you have not watched that movie, I highly recommend it based on a true story. Um, Michael Burry famously through his hedge fund back then 2008, I believe made a big, big bet against, um, the, the, the mortgage market and, and was right. And subsequently, you know, personally pocketed somewhere North of a hundred million. And I think a sperm made something like 700 million after being wrong for a couple of years right the time from when he made the bet to the time w to when the bet paid off it was it was it was months and years on end to the point where he had to basically um take people's funds hostage he locked it up and said i'm not giving you your money back everybody thought he was crazy ultimately he was proven right he just made a 1.6 billion dollar bet against the stock market 93 percent of his portfolio is short right now on the overall indices um that's not lightweight money for anyone. I don't care how many billions your fund um, has under management. And so I thought it was interesting that he made this bet a couple of months ago, right? We just got the filing this past week, but the filing is dated. And so this is a bet that's been put on that he's been on the wrong side of for a couple of months. And I'm curious to see, you know, like like most contrarians, um, your contrarians are usually early and, and I, I count myself in that not to put myself in the same boat with Michael Burry, but some of my biggest wins, let's talk Patriot. I was down 50% on Patriot before it turned around. That's where the 16 cent financing came in, right? We, we had conversations with the company at the time about keeping the lights on. And at the time they were exploring a gold property in Idaho. They had some decent hits. They had a little smoke. They didn't have any fire. Gold market was dead. We had a conversation about some of the lithium assets in the portfolio and so did several other people. And to Blair's credit, he made the perfect pivot into the lithium space at the perfect time and happened to be sitting on a gold mine that happens to be what will be one day a big, big, big lithium mine. And so I say all that to say that contrarians are typically going to be early. If he's half right on this bet, it's going to be fireworks when whatever breaks, breaks. And I do believe something breaks. These rates aren't sustainable, Nick. Um, they just aren't. Whether it's you know the bond market, the housing market, they can't continue to rise at this pace without something seriously imploding. So, well, yeah, it was like I said, it wasn't a new a, a new bull market, right? Something was um, ultimately going to break it. Um, yeah, 
um, you, you've seen a lot of capitulation, right? People who were bearish the past couple of weeks and, and, and months going back to the bullish side and saying that, you know what, we might get Goldilocks or we are going to have this soft landing. But uh, the fundamentals have really, um, you know, not improved and, and have eroded in, in some respects. And so you've had a market that's gone up and, and we've talked about it, right? Um, first it was, you know, zero date exploration, you know, call option buying, and then it was AI was gonna, you know, save the world. And then, um, you know, the market <laughs> was going up, up, but it wasn't really fundamental changes, right? It was, it was narratives that was, um, pushing it up. And so uh, companies had to report reality. You just said Q2 earnings and some of these tech companies going back to your question about, you know, the NASDAQ and, and tech companies. Um, specifically, you know, Microsoft saying, look, AI is great, but one, it's very expensive. Um, you have to invest in it. And two, it's it's not going to pay off potentially as fast as, you know, people have thought or, or said this year, right? And so I kind of put the, uh, a damper on that um, euphoria around AI, right? And, 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 and that combined <laughs> with, you know, other things has led to what you've seen in the market over the past couple of um, weeks with really a, a sell down throughout the entire month of, of August so far. I tell you the other thing that is really curious and interesting to me, which I, I, I think, you know, again, speaks to the fact that something's got to give here with rates in the U.S. China just, you know, reported some CPI numbers that were very, very bearish. Um, and then, you know, they, 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 they had an unexpected rate cut, right? That took the market by surprise and that led to dollar strength and that led to the dollar going, you know, near the 104 level after you know, for a, for a bit, it was softening up closer to 100 than 105. And so when you have two of the world's biggest economies going in opposite directions as it relates to rates and policy, something has to give. And I will say this with China, think whatever you want to think about its politics and its human rights abuses and some of the issues that the country has. And you can think whatever you want to think about the U.S. and some of the issues that we have clearly but they are nimble and they are really, really good at being nimble as it relates to incentivizing lenders, banks, and 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 their corporate partners um, to, to get the economy going. They are much more nimble than we are here. And I think the rate cut is a precursor to what we're going to see from China here in the next several months on the policy side of things. Be very, very watchful of China, folks, because I think that's going to be the canary in the coal mine for a lot of what ends up happening here in the U.S. And again, they do have an advantage over us when it comes to being nimble with their banking system. They can literally just go ahead, start printing tomorrow, cut rates as they just did and tell everybody that you're going to lend and you're going to provide incentives to make people buy cars, buy homes, buy food and do all the other things that clearly, clearly are not happening organically right now in China. Yeah, it's been one of the big curveballs of the global market, really, this year is that, you know, um, people, including myself, and I've written about this, thought that the China opening was going to be much stronger, right? We even um, bought China in, in Foundational Profits, the monthly letter, earlier in the year and have already sold it once I figured out that the, the, the reopening wasn't going to be um, as strong as as once thought. And, and yeah, they're cutting rates, and that plays into... Um, uh, not an entire global slowdown because there's always pockets of growth and and I've been writing about that as well other parts of Asia and South America but China specifically um yeah has been entirely lackluster that's way on commodity markets as as well you've got copper back down you know closer to 350 as I was yep. saying than than four dollars um and if they're a leading indicator which which remains to be seen then 
Yeah, that would follow on with you know something breaking in the U.S. and then the potential rate cuts here in 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 2024, which is uh, you know partially what I just laid out there earlier in the podcast. A lot going on for a boring summer, Mister Hodge. Mm-hmm. Um, let's 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 touch a bit on. Uh, I I don't want to do a Patriot take this week because it's more of the same. The shorts are still playing with the stock. It's not going to matter at the end. Um, but more bullish news um, from the region, right? Ford um, and 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 several partners just chose Quebec for a nine hundred million dollar battery plant. Um, <laughs> where where do you think the material is going to come from, people? I don't know how much clear it can be for y'all, but you have Patriot Battery Metals with its partner Albemarle, which just happens to be the biggest chemical company on the planet. They're in an MOU and in talks to go ahead and partner on building a plant. Guess who's going to take all of the material and turn it into uh, the stuff that's going to feed this battery plant? I mean, it, 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 it's so simple to be and so like writing on the wall that it, it's it's even the construction date. Like they're going to start uh, constructing this plant here within the next year or two. It's supposed to be operational in the first half of 2026. Uh, Canada's federal government is providing a conditional loan of $322 million Canadian. And so this is going to cement Quebec is to what I called it a year, a year and a half ago. Um, you know, the 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 the, the Saudi or this is going to be the Saudi Arabia of oil Canada version with lithium. Right. And I think when you look at the region, there's going to be several players that benefit. But the bigger players with scale are going to be the first to reap those benefits. And I think you know, this bodes well for permitting as it relates to to Patriot. It bodes really well for supply contracts. It bodes well for having some some price negotiation leverage moving forward when 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 they get to that point. And so all bullish news other than the share price is still stuck in the mud, which eh, it'll be stuck in the mud until it's not. I have some ideas and thoughts about, you know, how <laughs> they might be able to force the market's hand. We'll see if Blair actually pushes those buttons. I suspect management is not happy about how the stock is getting balanced around at these levels, given how well they've executed. I know five rigs are turning. I know they want another five. Um, I know that deposit and those deposits get bigger by the day. Happy shareholder. The share price will do what it's going to do when it does it. So anyhow, I said I wasn't going to give you a Patriot take. I did anyway. Well, I can relate it just more broadly to lithium because um, I was doing some looking around there uh, recently and um, it looks uh, like the entire sector is, you know, bottoming sort of at the same place it bottomed in May. So you mm-hmm. talked about Patriot and specifically and, and Quebec, but, you know, even more broadly, you look at, I was looking at the Albemarle chart and I was looking at the Alchem chart and, you know, I was looking at the ETF chart and, um, you know, it's down to, to where it was in May. And, and, and you remember at that time I was saying on this podcast, free advice, right? So take it for what it's worth, but that I was buying Albemarle in my, my personal account. And, um, I've since sold that. It was just like a short term flip because I thought that lithium was oversold. But what I'm saying is that we're back to those levels, right? So I think that, um, lithium is back to oversold and I think it will likely hold these levels that, that it was at back in, um, May. And so taking that as a, as a buying opportunity, I mean, I'm obviously a Patriot shareholder, but I have my own, you know, separate lithium plays. And, um, I had a, well, limit order set for for one that I've had set for a couple of weeks now, and I've I've written about to to my weekly letter, and, and that happened to fill 
um, the past couple of days here. So, you know, these are levels I'm, I'm comfortable adding to my uh, lithium position and, and have done so. I don't think it's a coincidence that this uh, battery factory is going to be IRA compliant, the Inflation Reduction Act. We've talked about how much um, that act and that piece of legislation, uh, regardless of what you think of the Biden administration or whoever's running the country, uh, um, it's done wonders for incentivizing um, critical metals related uh, advances in North America. This will absolutely receive some of those uh, tax credits and benefits that come with the Inflation Reduction Act. And so kudos on that front. And no, things are looking up. Things look good. I agree with your assessment on lithium bottoming at current levels. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out here over the next several weeks. Um, another week, another Trump indictment, but this one seems a little bit more serious. And you can tell by the tone of his responses, um, RICO acts are not anything to play with. And the amount of people, I think it's 18 people in all, and they're teasing superseding indictments for those of you that have never been indicted or haven't had friends that have been indicted or don't know what a superseding indictment means. It means there's more coming, right? This is the initial indictment. There's likely more coming. It's really interesting to me um, that Rudy Giuliani went public right away, put his uh, his his apartment up for sale for something like $6.7 million and started complaining to the media about Donald Trump never paying any of his legal fees. Um, it's not going to take much for these people that supposedly were, you know, brothers in arms um, to all of a sudden start flipping on each other. And it's going to be, look, I got my popcorn. I, I wish reciprocity and law and order on, on everyone and accountability. I have my popcorn and it should be interesting. The statements from Mr. Trump have been pretty um, out there. Um, you know, some dog whistling and then the usual stuff that goes on. But this one might stick. You didn't like this one. Prisoner's Dilemma. Um, you can Google that and 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 read about it. But uh, whether it's Giuliani or the the property manager at, at Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago, these these folks have incentive to um, reveal what they know, and so it's going to be interesting. And, and as I said, it's also interesting that he remains far and away the the leader to win the Republican primary, right? And says that he won't cede and. Um, we'll see if he's got a debate. Those will be coming up soon, and, and I'm always a fan of those. But it, it, it's all very interesting. Um, and the other thing that's interesting, and I picked this up from Neil Howe. Um, we always mm. talk about the fourth turning, but um, he was giving a talk this week that I that I tuned into on a drive into work and was saying that, uh, well, first, I'll, let me tell you what the book says, and then I'll tell you what he was saying. The book is saying that, you know, some new political leader, party, or, or ideation arises during a, a fourth turning that the nation, co you know, coalesces around, essentially. Think like FDR's um, extended time, sure. right, to, to get through the, the, the Great Depression. Well, nothing like that has seemingly happened yet in this fourth turning. I mean, I don't see some young new candidate popping up. I don't see fresh new ideas. I don't see coalescing or the country coalescing around. Um, some new party or candidate, and so I've been trying to figure that out. And he was saying this week that 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 hasn't materialized yet. That right now people aren't voting positively; like they're not voting for ideas. They're just voting against <laughs> other things, right? They're voting, uh, you know, they're not voting for <clears throat> Biden because they like Biden. They're voting for Biden because they fear what a, another Trump, you know, term would look like. For example, um, and in some cases, people are voting for Trump, though his people are 
you know, on the whole more loyal. But in some cases, people aren't voting for Trump. They're voting, you know, against Democrat or, or liberal ideation. And so um, you can't have that sort of um, catharsis or that, you know, that, that coalescing around a, a new idea or person until um, the people are receptive to democracy and, and hopeful that, um, you know, America can prosper prosper and that, you know, this person or, or this party can deliver it. And um, I'm not seeing that out there right now, right? It's still on the downslope. It's still the the distrust of institution on the rise and not healing yet. And he was also talking about how young people, um, I don't know if it was a majority or just an increasing proportion of, but, you know, increasingly distrust democracy and are increasingly trusting of um, socialism, even though they've never lived under it, right? So, um, definitely still some things to resolve uh, politically as a country, um, you know, all the way from uh, embracing democracy and having new ideas to um, literally getting to the bottom of multiple indictments of the, the former president and, and current Republican frontrunner. So, like you said, it's your popcorn. I saw a meme earlier this week that had, a, you know, a, a, a mid-20s young lady in a picture of her dating profile, and she said... I am a communist. And then under salary requirements for her potential partner, she said minimum 100,000. <laughs> and it just spoke to where we are, Nick, as, 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 as a citizenry. Uh, and, it, and obviously it's not everybody, but oh God. Um, look, a she, lot. Uh, <laughs> she can get herself a UPS driver. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, they're on the streets right now, Nick. UPS <laughs> drivers are on the streets. 170k minimum, baby. Um, yeah, no, interesting times. I think it's going to continue to get volatile. There's already been several Trump uh, loyalists that have been arrested for threatening to kill jurors, kill judges. Um, they've doxed a lot of the jurors. Um, they doxing meaning they've put their names and addresses out on websites like on the dark web. So it's just. Just a lot of nastiness going on. I'm telling you, people, do not throw your life away for these people. It is not worth it. Biden isn't worth it. Trump isn't worth it. Kennedy isn't worth it. It's just not worth it, folks. It's just not. You know, I try to preach unity every week. It's sad to see fellow citizens that just really believe this guy that are like, oh, we have to fix this. We can't let them get away with it. Let's go kill the judge. Let's go kill the jurors. And I think the FBI um, shot somebody and. In- was Utah or New Mexico in the past couple of weeks or, you know, yeah, same thing, but investigating him for threats on online. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, there's better things to do with your time and energy, everybody. Yeah. Be active, be vocal, do all of that, but leave the other extracurricular stuff alone. It's been, it's been a quiet news week here the past couple of weeks. It's been a quiet news month, frankly. Um, Bravo Mining finally had some news. I know we had talked a couple of weeks ago about waiting on news, the news was received in typical August fashion with a yawn, right? But the news basically explained that where they've only drilled the, Lu- the Luanga deposit, right, which is already substantial, um, down to 150 meters, they're now drilling down past 300 meters and finding similar grades, similar widths, and uh, additionally, um, significant nickel values. And so we have some geophysical surveys and, and some more data that they're crunching together that is coincidentally going to align with conference season in September, the kickoff of conference season, right? With 
the Beaver Creek Precious Metal Summit, which both Mr. Hodge and myself will be at. If you're out there, please say hello. We'd love to chat. Um, but they're lining up that piece of news for September. I, I, I have to believe the news is going to be positive, but the news they just put out was extremely positive. It's essentially telling you that there's likely twice as much as what was already at the surface down to 150 meters. And there also may be a high-grade feeder nickel deposit that is going to be very much in demand if that's the case and if they're able to vector in to that. So a lot to like there. Uh, company remains one of my top picks. Um, we've done really well with it. I think you know it's headed to a billion-dollar market cap. And then depending on what kind of uh, nickel grades and, and widths um, and what kind of ore body they're able to discover, um, we'll see. We'll see if it's off to the races after that. Yeah, they seem to have a tiger by the tail. Looking forward to the next set of data. I think they'll be at Beaver Creek. So uh, looking yes. forward to catching up with them and you and other folks there as well. Excellent. We'll also be at the New Orleans Investment Conference. Once again, Nick will be presenting. Nick will be hosting a mining panel, I believe. Nick and I will be presenting, doing Bizarro World Live from New Orleans for you all. Would love to see everybody that can make it out. It's a really well put together conference. The food is amazing. The staff is amazing. Brian London is a, and his group uh, put on a top-notch conference. Lots of great speakers. Lots of great, great information, practical information, entertaining practical information. And so come out, say hello. Would love to see everyone out there. That's it. This November 1st through 4th. Um, we'll try to get the link in this description, and we'll certainly be talking about it at Daily Profit Cycle and have some links around so you can get your tickets. Excellent. I'm supposed to remind you all to check us out at dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe to get all of our updates, our market commentary, our rants, our ravings, all of the things from not just Mr. Hodge and myself, but our talented group of editors and analysts over at Daily Profit Cycle. Mr. Hodge, anything else that you're really looking at the market or you're looking for in the market or that you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Well, I think it's a little bit of a light week here in the in the last week of August as we buy the pencils and the new sneakers to send the kids back to school. So I'm looking forward to, to catching up on a, 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 a bit of work. Um, I'd be remiss if I told you, um, if I didn't tell you not to overlook the uranium sector, the spot price is back at 57. I think Cameco is at now 12-year highs. So um, sneaky bullish in the, the uranium sector. Um, you know, with an ongoing situation in uh, Niger, et cetera. So keep your eye on that. But what I really was going to say was um, about questions. So uh, I think somebody was commenting about extending the podcasts to answer questions. Well, um, we do that from time to time, you know, just put a comment below the, the podcast and um, it, it, we'll certainly see it. And if it makes sense to address or if it's relevant to the topics we're discussing, um, by all means, we'll just incorporate it into to one of these podcasts. And then if it's about um, a, a company or a topic we cover in the in the paid newsletters, then um, you can submit that uh, through customer service, either by responding to um, any of those uh, emails you get from, from Digest Publishing, from the individual letters, um, or from Daily Profit Cycle, or, you know, hit us up on, on, on Twitter or otherwise. And and we incorporate those responses into the paid issues on a weekly, a monthly basis. And then um, uh, some of our publications do have like quarterly Q&A uh, sessions where you can ask directly those questions and um, get them answered in a video format. So lots of ways to get your uh, questions answered from 
um, us and, and we love doing that and um, submit them and we will respond to them in the uh, appropriate format. Absolutely. Love the feedback, uh, all the feedback, the positive, the negative, the constructive, the insightful, the comical. Uh, we, we take it all right here. We thick skin, uh, big boys and big girls over here at Daily Profit Cycle in Bizarro World. So keep it coming, y'all. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was the 232nd episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. Nick, send us off with some words of wisdom, sir. Oh, have a great week out there. Like you said, Gerardo, be kind to everybody. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.